0: And so this one was a killer show. What I most took away from Sarah is not only was she one of the first big, quote unquote, LinkedIn influencers, but what she really popularized is super, super casual, real human language. And the way that she booked a meeting with Nick on LinkedIn was, hey, surprise, lucky you, you're in my territory, and I got a new book of accounts. And that is something that you cannot possibly say would be a templated message. It's such a pattern break from all the other nonsense of prospecting. And way too many people want to say, well, AcmeCo is the leading provider of lead management software. Meanwhile, Sarah is breaking through all of the noise. She also does this with her upfront contract. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, a lot of time when people are like, hey, I want to talk about your business priorities first. I'm not crazy about that because I feel like it makes people cringe. But when Sarah gave her upfront contract, it was the first time that I actually understood why it helps to start at the business priorities. What she said is like, By the way, like Gong's Gong's marketing is almost too good. And so everybody thinks all we do is we just analyze your calls. But honestly, everything from the first time you prospect to the time you onboard and close a deal, we probably have a use case for almost everything you have. So why don't we start at the business priorities, and then I can give you a sense of where we can actually help. That actually crystallized it for me in a non-cringy fashion of why you should start at the top level business priorities. What did I miss?
1: Well, what she does is she weaves in a little bit of personality and like conversational tone into everything that she does, and I think a lot of salespeople they get nervous and they hear about this actionable tactic on the show, and then they say it with with no humanity inserted into it. And usually, the tipping point for a seller is when they stop trying to sell like a person that they heard, and they start selling like themselves. And what I mean by that is I can hear a tactic from Armand. And I want to use that tactic. I want to implement like the heard your name tossed around opener, but I can't do it. I I can't just like copy Armand's tone of voice. I have to be Nick when I'm selling. And so I think Sarah does that really, really well.
0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Segelski. And today, we have the one, the only, Sarah Brazier, the SDR turned now AE at Gong.io, and one of the biggest, baddest LinkedIn personalities out there. Nick, why should people listen? Well, if
1: you ever have trouble breaking into really big enterprise accounts, Sarah has some great strategies involving leveraging up using LinkedIn, and then using upfront contracts when you're having initial conversations with decision makers. Boom, three, two,
0: one, upfront contract.
1: All right, Sarah, welcome to the show. You know we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get yours.
2: My top three takeaways. Number one, strategically leverage up. I think this is something that some people never do. And some people just kind of like forget to do. But if there is somebody who is downloading content, who is engaging with your company's LinkedIn page, or is tied to the decision maker, but isn't the decision maker, you should strategically leverage up, connect with them, start a conversation, gather as much information as you can from them, and then use it to get the meeting that you want.
1: Nice. What's number two?
2: Peruse earnings calls. One of the things that has helped me develop my business acumen the most and understand company pain is by using tools like Sentigo, cheetah iq seeking alpha and using those to read the key points within earnings calls to know what the strategic initiatives that are coming from sea level down and then i use that in my outreach so i can be relevant
1: <laughs> cool finish this off here what's the third one
2: Yeah. The third one is set daily goals and review them at the end of the day. There's no point in writing down your goals in the morning if you don't check back in to see if you accomplish them at the end of the day. And I think it's really important to hold yourself accountable, not only to the KPIs that you have for yourself, but also to be the kind of person you want to be. So what's your intention for the day? Who are you and how are you going to execute on being the best version of yourself?
0: All right. Be the best version of yourself. Why don't we hit on number three? So we're starting off the podcast. We're going to start off the day. And so I wake up, I brush my teeth, I read my book, and I'm starting to get my daily goals set up. So how do you think about beyond just calls, dials, whatever you want to call it? How do you think about setting your daily goals? And then how do you keep that fresh?
2: The first thing is like, who am I? Who do I want to be? What's my identity goal? And write that down. And so usually it has to do with like, how do I want to live my life today? How do I want to be kind to other people or be supportive or be engaging or be present? And I write that down as a goal. The second thing is your role. There are KPIs that I need to hit that I know that I specifically need to hit in order to hit my quota. And those can be dials. Those can be people added to sequence. Those can be sequences built. And I'm writing down how many cold connects did I get and how many of those converted into a meeting over LinkedIn, cold call, email, whatever. And then at the end of the day, I'm reviewing them. And I think it's, it's important because whatever I did yesterday informs my tomorrow. And so in the next morning, you know, Tuesday comes by and I have to look at it and I have to think, OK, like I had these cold connects. These people told me no but I got I extracted x piece of information out of them I can use that as leverage in my next cold call or I can use that as leverage in the next sequence I build and it also helps me hone in on on who I'm going after, uh, especially when I was working enterprise accounts. So 5,000 people in the company, there's a bunch of different decision makers. who's Everybody's got similar titles on LinkedIn. How do I hone down who actually makes the decision to purchase something? It's probably five to seven people. But I've got a list of 400 people with sales in their title. So honing that down is really important.
0: Let's go super granular and specific here. So you're really looking at two different pieces. So after you say, who am I? What is my role? And how does that relate to what I want to do? Now you're breaking it down into the number of activities you want to do, and then the success rate or the conversion of those activities. So could you give us a sense of like, what are the core activities that you guide to when you were an SDR? And then what were like ballpark? What types of metrics would you be looking to hit every single day or every week? Like how many dials, what conversion rates, et
2: cetera? So typically... Like on average, it was something like build out one sequence for a company. So I could be going after, I don't know, like what's a, like DocuSign could be a company that I was going after or like Zscaler. That's a good one. So I look at what's Zscaler doing in the news? Who are they partnering with? How could that impact the way that they're going to market? And that takes maybe 15 to 30 minutes to research and build out a sequence around. From that, I need to add at least 20 people. If I had a minimum of 20 per sequence that I wanted to add to it, otherwise it's not worth the time investment. So 20 people. So I need to go figure out who those sales leaders are. Hopefully they're in the CRM, but I want to like cross check and sales navigator. I'll make sure I have the right titles and then dump them into that sequence and hit send. So minimum of 20 people are getting that probably closer to 40. That means that I have then 40 LinkedIn touches and 40 dials off the bat because the first email I send, I always follow up with a LinkedIn touch and a call. And so that dictates a big chunk of the day. And then there are things that happen throughout the day that fill in the gaps. But I think like on average, three sequences a week, if possible, sometimes it would end up being one, but like the objective is three sequences, 20 people per sequence, and then on average, like 40 dials a day and, you know, 20 emails because sometimes you just call people twice.
1: I'm curious about those LinkedIn touches that you're talking about because you're sending that intro email and then you're touching somebody on LinkedIn. And this is an area that I still haven't gotten my head around the best way to do it. Are you just sending a connect request with no message? Are you sending a super tailored message in the request? Are you doing an inmail? What's that LinkedIn outreach look like?
2: Just to stand out in the immediate, having a note really but I also decline any note that's just like, hey, Sarah, I want to tell you about my product or something that's really generic. I prefer when someone writes something that showcases their personality and the fact that they like actually took the time to understand at least a little bit of who I am as a person. So I thought if that's how I feel about it, then a C-level executive or a VP of sales or someone who is getting bombarded by SDRs all the time they're going to want that but even more because they're probably going to be way more annoyed than i am when when people don't send me notes cuz i'm nobody so
1: well that's real empathy that's that's not just saying i hope you and your family are doing well like that's legitimate empathy you're saying oh how did I feel? Let me project that on another person. So, okay. So what exactly would you say to a person though? Because I'm with you. I decline, I I barely ever decline invites. I usually just accept everybody. But if somebody says, oh, Nick, I see we had a lot of mutual connections. I think it would be great to expand the network here. I just know it's some like templated garbage someone's sending me. So what specifically would you say to a VP of sales you want to connect with?
2: Yeah. I'm looking up one that I just sent. This was to a woman who is, she co-founded a company and she runs the sales organization there. And I sent it on Monday and I said, you founded a company in a male-dominated industry and are leading a male-dominated department. Pretty sure you've checked some major boxes open to networking.
0: We do something super similar where like, it's all context. And it's like, everything I know about you, you're really saying nothing about Gong whatsoever.
2: No, I think that's the tackiest thing to do. I also sent one earlier today to someone who is not a decision maker, but she's downloading a bunch of our content. And I said, she lives in Austin. I said, you live in a cool city. I live in a cool city. You're an AE. I'm an AE. We have 12 mutual connections. Open to networking. (laughs) This kind of
1: transitions into the leveraging up thing because you did it on LinkedIn and you did it to me. And it's actually part of the reason that we're here today. So can you talk about the leveraging up. And maybe you can talk about it in the little of the context of what we've done and then also other ways that you might leverage up.
2: So story is Nick likes gone content, which is great. I do too. So Nick was downloading some content. I think there was a close loss opportunity. I'm not hundred percent sure. Someone had tiered my accounts before I got them. It was in someone's tiered accounts. And I was like, okay, well, the first thing I did is I went through all the accounts that someone had already put in tier one and who did I already have a shared connection with on LinkedIn? So Nick and I were first degree connections and you downloaded content and the account looked good. Like I went to the website, it looked good. I checked out and saw to see if there were any competitors of yours that use Gong. There are like three. So I was like, okay, this looks like it's a fit. So then the first thing I did is even though we were first degree connections, we'd never exchanged any anything over DMs on LinkedIn. So I said, hey, Nick, how's it going? We don't, asterisks, know each other. But fun fact, I received a new book of accounts, and I've noticed you've dabbled in some of Gong's content, Ellipsis. Was curious if you have a few minutes to share insight on if SharePoint could benefit from a solution like Gong. And then I followed up with it, and totally feel free to tell me, you know, go away, Sarah. I'm busy. Smiley face.
0: Another piece of it that I'm curious is, you, you write these LinkedIn posts, and I can hear you talking through your LinkedIn posts. It looks like a text message I would send to a friend where you have lots of line breaks. You have dot, dot, dots where it's like a uh, type of moment. And I wonder, are you doing things like that in your email to convey tone in a way that a normal sales email wouldn't
2: accomplish? I've been playing a little bit with with formatting, just a little bit like... I posted on LinkedIn uh, an email that I had written and I asked people to tear it apart and they did. (laughs) And I loved it. It was so great. It was the best learning. Like that was the best learning. So someone basically like told me like, Hey, don't greet them in the beginning of the email, greet them in the subject. Like they're going to read it on their phone. So you write, Hey, and so, and so, and then you write the first three sentences of the, email that you're going to send them. And then you continue it in the body of your email. And I thought, oh yeah, that's smart. So I did it. And I got a response within 10 minutes of sending the email.
1: So are you literally putting the first sentence of your email just in the subject line instead of using like a catchy subject line that you're hoping gets an open? Are you basically transitioning that line into the, the subject?
2: So I try to try to do things that are like what I would have said in the first sentence anyway, or calling out something they might know. So like this email the subject line is, Allie, saw your LinkedIn share. And then the next sentence is in the body, read: your calling all hustlers in quotation marks because that's what she says. And hiring for remote BDRs. Sales leaders at companies like, and then I throw in their biggest competitor that uses our tool, leverage our solution to surface winning behaviors from top performers. And then I put in parentheses example how an SDR who is, her title is teen lead So I put in that SDR, how Ashley objection handles on her cold calls to ramp new hires faster. Would you be open to discussing how you can reduce time to productivity for new BDRs plus increase sales excellence across the remote team? Cheers, Sarah.
1: So it did two things. One, I was like, okay, that is Sarah actually reaching out to me. I did download this gong white paper about how to make a case to the CFO or something. But then the double message also helped the fact that you followed up. I'm like obsessive about clearing out the notifications on LinkedIn. And so when I go on LinkedIn and I see that I have not just one, but two messages. Like my animal brain is like, okay, I have to go clear out those notifications. And then I, I've read your message and now I have to reply or I'm a jerk. So I thought you did that really well. So how do you leverage up from there? Because you got me to respond. You got me to engage, but I'm just an AE at ShorePoint. How'd you actually use that to have a conversation with my VP?
2: Yeah. So you responded with a voice message and you wanted to introduce me to your head of ops, I think. And I was like, no, I want not talk ops. Not until you already buy it. (laughs) Then we could talk about the integrations. Um, (laughs) So I'd talk to ops. but. So I went and I looked up who your VP of sales was. And I was like, well, you asked me if I'd be on your podcast. I said, sure. (laughs) That's a fair trade. I would do that. I said, any thoughts on introducing me to Steve? Usually we start with VPs, heads of sales, and then chat with ops. Easier to build champions with VPs. You said like, hey, like write me an email and I'll forward it to my VP of sales. And I was like, I'm not going to do that until I know what's going to actually be meaningful to him.
0: Sarah, you do some like awesome stuff on the LinkedIn stuff. And I think what caught Nick off guard in your message and what was really interesting to me is you were very much like disarmingly blunt. You were saying like, yo, I got a book of accounts. and like, you're literally in my territory, right? I know you have some very intentional messaging around how you approach a cold call. Would you be willing to walk us through what your cold call sounds like?
2: Yeah, so- the phone rings. Ring, ring. And you say hi. Hello. And I say, Hey, Armand, this is Sarah Brazier with Gong on a recorded line. Have you been?
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been fine. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Hey, I know that there is no good time for a cold call, so I can keep it super brief. Is it cool with you if I tell you the reason why I called? And then you can tell me if it makes sense for you to either hang up on me or continue the conversation.
0: I know you guys over at Gong. What's What's going on?
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, well, I was gonna ask if I can give you the the high level of what we do, but I don't know anything about Carter right now, but I'd say something like, hey, I noticed that like Carter's grown like 20% over the past six months, your sales org. And I also noticed that you guys just released a new product. All that in mind, I thought connecting the dots, you're increasing the sales team on top of a new product release. You probably have some new messaging and maybe you're ramping new hires. I thought it might make sense to start a conversation about Gong. It sounds like you've heard of us.
0: You're leading with a couple different things. So the first thing is you're using the, how have you been? Right. Have you noticed a material difference between how are you and how have you been?
2: Yeah. Cause no one's, how are you today? like, <laughs> <"Hey, hello." laughs> how are you? Nobody does that. <laughs> like, yeah, have you been? Like, I just think it's the same reason why if you capitalize all the sentences in a LinkedIn message and you write in like paragraphs and paragraphs, and that's your message to someone, you're not going to respond because well you look at it and you go there's too much happening here it's like that same it's like this is too this is too formal this is too I feel like it just puts it would put me on my guard because no one says how are you but people do say "Happy have you been
0: Yeah, my team started using it and I I thought it was like a Jedi mind trick and then I saw their their connect rates or their uh, call to contact and contact to demo rates go up and I was like, what the hell is going on? Like this, how have you been thing has come from somewhere and it was, they were looking at your script, right? And then after that, you're doing another thing where you're being like disarmingly blunt again and so you're basically saying like, yo, I don't know you, right? And so like, what's the psychology behind that there?
2: You don't pitch to somebody who doesn't give you permission to pitch. And so if you say like, Hey, like, can I tell you why I called? And then you get to decide if you hang up on me or not. You're still controlling the conversation. Like, I'm still very much an authority in the conversation and I can push and pull it the way I I want it to go. But it gives the prospect a sense of autonomy, which is what I think is like what all humans crave is like, we want to be free, we want to have autonomous decisions in our lives. If my prospect happened to have stumbled upon Gong's website and knows what it is and really liked it, then they probably would have like put in it like they they would have bought it. They just didn't know. So now I got to call them and tell them. I'm just like a different, I'm just a different form of marketing in this piece of the puzzle. But I want to make sure that that it's really their decision. My feelings have nothing to do with this. It's like, do you want to hear about this thing? Yes or no?
1: Well it's true. I see a lot of salespeople They'll cold call somebody and then that person will say, oh, not interested, or they'll hang up on them and they'll think, oh, I guess that account wasn't a good fit. I'm going to take them off my list. But there's two parts to the cold call. There's the actual getting to the point where they are listening, not just hearing, listening to your value proposition. And then there's the actual value proposition. Does it resonate with them at all? If you can't get past the first part You're just another telemarketer, and they are not actually listening or hearing what you're saying. So it's useless. So in my mind, you have to get them to buy in and commit to the conversation, whether it's the contextual lead that Armand does, or Sarah, you and I have a really similar opener where you're saying, hey, look, I know you didn't expect me to call yet. Can I tell you why I'm calling? And then you can tell, like, you get permission.
2: I think it's like permission is key. That's the most important thing. And that's what happens in any part of the buying process. Like, that's what I'm learning as week three and uh, whatever, however long I've been pretending to be an AE.
1: (laughs) So how else are you using permission in the, in the, like the AE sales cycle?
2: Right. Well, I think like everything you do, you have to get people to opt into and opt out of. So I think like one of the key things that we learn in our Sandler Upfront contract is, Hey, if at any point in time during this conversation, if this doesn't make sense, or like, it's just not meeting your needs, would you feel comfortable telling me? No. And then you pause and you wait. And you have to ask that question. You have to get them to say, yes, I'd feel comfortable telling you no. Because if something happens at the end of the call, you're trying to set up next steps and they say, oh, I got to think about it or "Mm, we'll do it. And they're trying to be wishy-washy. You just say, I'm confused. I thought, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, you said you feel comfortable telling me no. I'm getting a sense here that maybe you don't want to move forward. Is is there some kind of is there something that we need to lay out on the table right now? And then you can use that. They do it better.
0: So I use the upfront contract as well. And I remember when I was first practicing it, it felt weird. It's like the typically it goes one of two ways type of thing. And I was like holding my hands in the air. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? So can you walk us through what your upfront contract sounds like? Because I find that everybody modifies a little bit for their style.
2: This is sort of what it sounds like. Hey, guys. So it sounds like we've got like 30 minutes left on the calendar. Does that sound... or? about right to you guys?
0: Yep, looks right.
2: Okay, cool. And it, and it's cool with you if we record this call? Yep, I'll go with me. Awesome, sweet. I feel like it might make sense to just set like a brief agenda and then we can go from there. Obviously, I reached out to you because, you know, I think that there could be a good fit between our company and yours. I really do have some questions right now sort of around your business priorities, your roles and kind of what you're trying to achieve moving through 2020. Obviously, I'm sure you have some questions for me around how Gong can, can be helpful in the, in those cases. Typically, obviously you know, a conversation like this goes one of two ways. Either we find like, ah, this isn't a fit. In which case, would you feel comfortable telling me no?
0: For sure. You'll get a no.
2: Awesome. Excellent. I love, I love selling to salespeople because they'll tell you no. Yeah and then like the other way is and that's this is my hope is that we actually find that there's a fit in which case the the next step of this process would be, be for us to set 30 minutes aside and I can kind of repeat back what I've heard from you from this conversation and kind of showcase the use cases in, in Gong's platform. Does that sound fair to you? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome, sweet. Oh, and then one other thing before we get started, my biggest concern walking into a conversation like this is when I talk to a lot of sales leaders have this picture of the brain of like Gong is this we've got this amazing marketing tool and we're all about coaching reps, coaching reps, coaching reps. And I think that's totally right. But it's like almost the problem with our marketing. It's so good that we don't necessarily have like the full picture of, of what Gong does. And the reality is that we kind of we solve a lot of different use cases. Anything attached to revenue, we probably have a use case for. So in that vein, I'd love to kind of open up this conversation by understanding your top priorities of your business, then we can kind of get into is coaching the thing that makes sense or is it market intelligence or deal intelligence, so on. Does that sound okay with you?
0: Uh, That sounds good to me.
2: Okay, awesome. Sweet. Well, is there anything you guys want to add?
1: That piece is so important because you talked about autonomy earlier and that last sentence there, is there anything you want to add? It gives me this sense of control. All right, Sarah is not just domineering where the conversation goes. She's giving me a chance to take part in building the agenda.
0: This was an awesome episode. So we went through LinkedIn. We went through emails. We went through phone and then the initial agenda. So we went everything leading up into the disco call. And the last thing that we like to ask everybody is we've talked about a lot of good habits, but there are also a lot of bad habits out there. And so if there is one thing that every rep needed to stop doing right away to be more successful, what would that be?
2: Ugh. I don't know. Listening to every piece of advice on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't know. I hate being a person who says, like, you must do this to be successful because I think that there's, to be a great artist, you could be a performing artist, you could be an actor, you could be a musician, you could be a painter. And even in those things that are a bunch of different mediums that make you amazing, like Will Ferrell's hilarious and he's awesome. Anybody's not Leonardo DiCaprio and they're both like incredibly successful in their own way. There's more than one way to skin a cat. I think that the people that I found that are the most successful are the ones who tap into what they're good at and they double down on being excellent in that thing so if you just try to like lift something from linkedin and say okay well this is what i need to do now i'll i'll execute on this and this will be my new identity you're not necessarily identifying what you're actually good at and making that good like just use those things as tools in your tool belt but like there's this level of like you got to be true to to how you operate how you function how you communicate how you read a room
0: any last things you want to leave with the audience before we jump off
2: do you want to buy a gong <laughs> No, I don't know. Be true to you. Be your best self. Are you a 10 today?
0: (laughs) And if you want to buy gong, everybody go be a qualified opportunity or qualified meeting or some nonsense like that and hang on for a 60 second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect Your top four takeaways from the episode with Sharer Brazier include number one, write like a human, especially in your LinkedIn DMs. No over formal language. Number two, leverage up by reaching out to ICs and then get those referrals up to the VPs. Number three, tell them it's a cold call. Yo, it's a cold call. Then ask for permission to sell before you start selling. And then number four, use that same permission-based selling in your upfront contract. Get them to buy into the agenda. Nick, How do people help us out? So this week, I've really enjoyed reading everybody's
1: sweet reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't given the show a text review, maybe writing, Nick is the best host ever, go ahead, give us a review, let people know that you like the show, and we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes of President's Club.
0: And put your favorite host in the review. Thank you. (laughs)